It's time for Inside the MFL, the official sports talk radio show of the Minor Football League. It's football, baby! Football fans, this show is for you, as the show brings you the most up-to-date information from the league's franchises across the country. Let's get it going now! It's time to get Inside the MFL with your hosts, Dr. Richard Miles Sr. and Kelsey Nicole Nelson. Welcome to another edition of Inside the MFL. I'm your host, Dr. Richard Miles Sr., CEO, Chairman, and Founder of the Minor Football League. The Minor Football League is the Laboratory of Change. And when I say the Laboratory of Change, we want to bring former players from the field to the front office in terms of GM position, head coach position, or ownership. So we want that possible. And also we want to make the playing field level. This is a nice Saturday morning. I have to say kudos to our great mayor, Ms. Miriam Bowser. Had not been for her, this, this platform would not be possible. Now, you know, I, you know, we're talking about the MFL, and right now we're doing a lot of things. We're getting new coaches in. We're talking to a lot, a lot of different um, GMs. But we're going to talk about my hometown right now. I, I'm in uproar, and when I talk about them – Washington team, but then again, I bring somebody in that's not only all pro with them, you know, uh, one of the great uh, Hall of Famers, and I know he'll be knocking the door down sooner or later, but Mr. Tony McGee, good morning, sir. How you doing? Thank you, Dr. Miles. Thanks for having me on the show. You know, I don't do as many shows as I used to, but when I get a chance to come on the quality shows such as yours, I welcome the opportunity, my man. Oh, you're so kind. You're so kind. You know, I'm not going to beat around the bush. You know me. One thing about me, I'm like you. Uh, I, I don't pull no punches. What's going on with the Washington team? Well, you know what we have on that team is like a little joke we used to say about breakfast, the bacon and eggs. And, you know, on that team right now, you just like when you have a good breakfast, you get done eating the eggs and you get done eating the bacon. You say, ooh, that was great. But you don't think what it happened to get there. Now, when... For it to get there, all the chicken had to do is make make a contribution, but the hog had to, to to make a commitment. So that's what we're not getting on that team. We got a lot of contributions, but no commitment. And now they're going to have to clean it up. And that wasn't just with the players. That's with coaches. And I, if the front office, I think the front office is fine. They made some great moves. Some that didn't work out. We don't know because of the coaches. But you know what you hate, Doctor Miles. We was this way 10, 20 years ago, and it seems right. as though since the last ownership took over, it's been up and down, never had the smooth flow, never had the championship feeling that we had back in the day. So that was the thing. We got to get people in here that's committed. We got people in here that really care about this, this city. And we got to get people in here that want to win. And, you know, in, in going back to what you just said about the commitment, now I have two folds I want to ask you. First of all, we lack that Washington culture where they had guys like you uh, played in your era that came in and coached like Charlie Taylor and all of them. I, I think a lot of these guys don't understand the culture of it. And when you bring uh, players in and they don't understand the culture, they're just young guys getting paid. They just, <laughs> you know, do what they're going to do and really get paid. But it was culture built here that y'all built a standard that seemed like it's not there anymore. Uh, you know, like London Fletcher, why not give this guy an opportunity to coach. Whether you want to coach or not, I don't believe it because I talk to London a lot of times. I know he want to coach. But then uh, then again, now we're talking about the front office. I'm going to put it on you this morning, so prepare for it. You know, now, do you think Eric the Enemy is going to stay 
or do he go? I know he came here to get the head coaching job. Won't you, won't you explain that to MFL Nation a little bit? Well, what I look at on my show, Donna Hopkins and I have been going back and forth, and she seems to feel that he's not going to be here. I don't think that would be fair, and I don't think it should be true for the simple aspect. If we want to go back and digress and look at the past years, how many times have, have the Washington team scored 30 points? How many times <laughs> have they, they had other people involved in the, into the offense? How many times have but then you, you, you take a look. How many times do you have a quarterback that, yes, 50% of the time he's great, but what's happening with that other 50% of the time? Right. I think the enemy came in because nobody had given him opportunity, and he deserved the opportunity. See, an old guy like me, I remember when he played, he was a great running back then, always right. side pass, get down the sideline, wasn't real fast, but tough. That's what he is here. He's tough. He want to run the ball. He even changed his offense, whereas he's used to that Kansas City quick pass, good, quick, fast people, but then he had offensive line. Offensive line here is hurting. Therefore, what he do is shorten up the, the time that the quarterback keep the ball in his hand. Now, that other 50% I was speaking about with our quarterback, a lot of that is his fault, holding the ball too long. But then you also have to look at the offensive line not holding. So I think when you look at all these factors, you look at what Eric has proved this year. I mean, first, I got to look at the defense who's giving up 30 rather than the offense that they're getting 30 every now and then. I do not think he should be gone. I think they should keep him here. I, I, I'm going to say that uh, the head coach needs to go. I, I think uh, the guys of uh, – I don't think they're buying in to what he's uh, selling. And I think Eric the enemy deserved the opportunity to coach where he can bring in uh, coaches because uh, you always want to bring in people that you know, that you're bringing in, that you show up. Uh, I just feel that um, the, you have a lot of players on the team that really just here. To play, and I was a player. I never liked mediocre players. I'm not gonna sit here and lie to you. I, I just never had that. Uh, I never, you know, never respect players like that. So let me ask you this: um, with the defense, that's a problem. What defense are they playing? I play defense. You know, I play strong. Say, I don't know what defense they playing. I know what they're trying to play, but I know we need linebackers. I think the defense definitely need help. We need linebackers. We do not have linebackers. I don't care what nobody say. We need to play the standard 4-3 uh, defense. I don't care. People killing us. When you have, you're trying to play two linebackers and the safety trying to roll them down, but the safety are playing his position is a safety, not really telling these guys what to look for down in distance. Every time a team need a big play, what they do, send it back down the sideline with no linebacker. So this is where we have a problem at, and I think we need to play a 4-3 defense. I think you need to give these guys an opportunity to play um, I was just stating that you you draft a guy number one for your shutdown corner because he make mistakes. As you know, you play this game. I play the game. You go make mistakes. Defense is 99% of anticipation. You guessing. The offense know what they're doing. But to take the kid out and not play him at all anymore, what you say that – what does that say for uh, the organization believing in you and what that do to a uh, defense uh, player um, – you know, what did that do for him, to him? I mean, that messed up his confidence, wouldn't you say? Yeah, but sometimes you have to look in the mirror. And you're number one draft choice. You've been put out there. They know that they expect you to get beat at times. 
but they expect you to win some of the battles as well. They do not expect you every time you win a battle to start pointing at yourself and acting like you've conquered the world. Then you go out and you're not even in the in the frame when you get beat on a touchdown. I do not think that is the way you should be. I think they should sit him down. I'm not mentioning names because I don't think it's really fair to the young players to do that because I know during my course of the time, I played in 203 out of 204 games. I know I made a lot of mistakes. But at the same time, every time I made a play, I didn't think I had to point to myself. When you're at that cornerback position, i tell you why. I've been on teams with two of the great, Daryl Green, Michael Haynes. I was on the team, both of them Hall of Famers. Mm-hmm. I saw what they could do. I saw if they made a mistake. Yes, it may be. Only it's a bad look for the organization because let's look at their last four or five number one draft choices. They had a linebacker three years ago. He left. They had two defensive ends they just got rid of. They had another first-round draft choice. Every first-round draft choice in the last five years. So that's where we started looking, okay, was it the organization was in? Which I would not blame the frame uh, the, the organization right now in the front office because they're just getting their opportunity. I, I know they just got in a year or two ago, but I think they're doing a good job. I look at now that when you get young players like that, you have to set them sometime, Doc. Because when you, you get, you got to understand that he's going against the best people in the world. Just because you make one out of ten plays don't mean you have to be pointing at yourself. You need to be mature and get ready for the next But that's the league itself within the whole. These young guys, they do one good thing and they go off. They got to do all this dramatic, this, they so dramatic. You know, in the old days, we play, man, you make a play, that's it. You go back to the huddle. What's all this? Is it a commercial time or they getting paid to do this, this foolishness? I, I never understood it, and I don't like but, it. <laughs> you know, Doc, the thing about it was back in our time, too, we had a job in all season. Yeah, right. <laughs> and they paying these guys for what they might do. That's another thing I wanted to point out. Isn't that Potential. Something? Potential. Absolutely. <laughs> so let me ask you this. Um, double advocates, I'm going to just do this. Was it a bad move to get ready? To me, it was a foolish move. Why you can't just get rid of these guys if you want to move them, move them after the season? Why would you move them during the season? Well, that was the last gap effort for two or three things. Number one, that they had to sign both of them at the end of the year, and they knew they probably wouldn't be able to. Number two, with Chase, they didn't know how well he would be when the opportunity came. With Sweat, they knew that he was such a good player that he could get, he could bring them more, which he did. Just think about it. He, at least he bought them a number two draft choice. And then you look at it, they wanted to give that coordinator, which I think they should have fired him first. They wanted to give him another opportunity. That's just a buddy-buddy thing. I don't know what it was because he's done and said enough things that he's injured his relationship with his players in some ways. So I look at it now. You you should have maybe gotten rid of him because you thought that was in the future, but you exhaust everything that you do. You exhaust if you can sign him. You exhaust if they can stay healthy. You exhaust if they're trying to get better. You don't go jump and trade two of your best players, the two guys who's leading your pass rush. You jump and get rid of them. Then two weeks later, you got to fire the coach anyway. I think it should have been reversed. Absolutely. Get another coach in there, another set of eyes. I remember when I was getting out there, one of your true friends was one of the great players to play there, Bobby Wilson. I had an yeah, opportunity to work with him. 
I looked at him. He was them big white gloves. He had big old hands. He could move. <laughs> he was solid in the middle. That's where you can look at players and tell what they can do. So you know what? We looked at, looked at Chase, and they made him a movie star before he was. Uh, I don't think the only thing I didn't like about Chase was he had a wild game. He was like players we had where only thing important to him was getting his play and getting to the quarterback. He was, but not that he was selfish. That's selfish, just the way it was. I mean, when you look at Sweat, all-around good player, big defensive end, go both sides, do everything, makes no sense. But I don't think they wanted to take one and make him higher than the other because they felt like whoever was gone, whoever left may not work out. I don't know what their thought process, but I'm like you. If you get a number one, you work him until it's over. You work him. Like, we don't never want to get there where you got that dog that won't hunt. Mm-hmm. And you don't know that if you don't put him out there to hunt. Right. And, you know, it, it just, I, I don't know, I have to, I, just to say, I'm a native Washingtonian. I'd have seen the good, bad, and the ugly here. Not because they didn't give me an opportunity to play with Washington, because I did, <laughs> would love to have that opportunity. But I think about the players that y'all had. I think about the Monty Coleman's. I, I, I think about these guys that, that you know, they came in. You know, you, you, you're talking about Daryl Green. I remember I had the pleasure of meeting him when he first came to Washington. Believe it or not, he'll laugh at it. We, we met and we was at Burger King. We was, <laughs> we was da- no, not Burger King, Wendy's down on F Street. We was down there talking. When I first met him, I didn't know who he was until we started talking. But it just goes to show you what – I want you to answer this because, you know, I, I respect a lot of people, but not like I respect you. Do you think it makes sense to hire some of the coaches? We got a few minutes before we take a break, and you can come back and answer this. Do you think we need to hire former players that bring back that culture? No question. And, you know, when we come back, I'd like to hit that because, you know what, that's one of the problems. We hired, we hired too many sons and friends and cousins yeah. and, there you go. And, this and everything. When you got guys sitting around, that right now we got guys that our offensive line hurting. We got Hall of Famers right here in the city. Come I'm on, with Chris man. Samuels the other day at the at the Potomac thing. Then you got players that uh, trade you. You, I mean, you got guys, the man that dogs. You know, they're sitting there. But then again, I don't want to go in there. I'm gonna put you under the gun because nobody's more knowledgeable than you. And when it comes to in terms of the Washington team and and the history of it, uh, we're gonna take a break and I'll be back. You'll listen to Inside the MFL. We'll be right back. Experience the MFL. How can we experience the MFL? The Minor Football League. Here's information on how you can experience the MFL. The Minor Football League was established in 1993 by founder and CEO Dr. Richard D. Miles Sr., a league created for the people and by the people. To learn more on how you can experience the MFL with the MFL team in your area, visit experiencethemfl.com or go to The MFL Is Here. The MFL, the laboratory of change. Copyright MFL. No portion of this audio may be reproduced or re-recorded without the written permission from the Minor Football League. Visit experiencethemfl.com. This is a Mad Voice production.
Welcome back to another edition of Inside the MFL. I have a Hall of Fame here, an all-time Washington great, and I can't help from using the name, the, the term Washington Redskins. People can get mad at me if they want to. You know, I, I think that the omen was a term, the bad thing was changing the name. But getting back to the question that I was asking you, um, uh, Mr. McGate, what about the culture? I can think of all these players that's here would love the opportunity. Why not give these players an uh, opportunity? These guys have won uh, Super Bowls for you and everything. You not give these guys a chance. Why is that? That'd be around the league, and it's only a definite. I'll tell you what, it's a very big, always has been. You're hiring your son, you're hiring your cousin, you're hiring your friend's friend, you're hiring a friend, you're looking at this friend, you're hiring a defensive back coach to coach a defensive line just to give him a chance. That's been the culture in the NFL. We got players sitting around, and I can say this one thing, that's how I met Bobby Wilson. Coach Gibbs gave me an opportunity to work with the defensive end. That was the year that I was retiring when he came in. Right away, me and Bobby kind of connected because I could see, I can tell you right now, didn't get a chance to coach him. Quick on the line, big, big hands, like to make a move. Quick one to the left, swim over, get up field, had good feet. He had all the deal right. and he had the heart. See, that's where you kind of look at players. They don't do that any longer. They don't look at coaches like that. You have to have a coach that can look. I can tell you what, when I went to New England to play, we had a coach named Hank Buller. And then right. the next thing, we had a coach. We had a coach named Fritz Shermer, and last that was helping me was, 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 I'll tell you his name later. But what I'm telling you is the coaches are equally as important. So, as you said, when they go and they and they bring in their kids and then they teach them, like I'll give you an example. Our offensive coordinator, we just left. I loved his father and everything. But they did the same thing, not the one that just left, the earlier one. And you know, as you had noticed, right. I don't mention names because that's, that's not a good. It's going out over the airways. A lot of it is my thoughts, and they don't have to be 100% right. right. But I'm going to be pretty close on it. And he was just like our father, his father. Every time he had a big play, the next thing was a trick play. Everybody knew that. I knew that in the league. You got to start getting people in there innovative. You get a Gary Clark in there right now, you get a fire. Everybody can catch the ball. If you couldn't catch the ball, you wouldn't be there. You get a defensive end in there. Why don't you bring in a Dexter Manning? May not could have been a coach, but he's a guy that ran four, five, bitch, 500 and, mm -hmm. and got over 100 sacks. You don't get, get Charles Mann an opportunity. Charles Mann should be up in the front office. Right. You know, at least they got Martin Mayhew, and that's why I want to see that continue because it's not fair to Martin. I mean, I've worked with him when he played and what he's doing now. Let him work with an organization that wants to win. Mm -hmm. And that's not saying that I'm just cutting up the last one, but I'm calling it like I see it. This ain't the World Series. This ain't third base. Right. I'm calling it like I see it. Okay. They, they need an opportunity to be with a good organization. And if you listen, everything we're doing, Doc, we're going through each phase. We're not just talking about the players are hurting. We're not just talking about the coaches. We're not just talking about the organization. We're talking about the whole outfit. And that's why you need to get good coaches in here. You need to get give those people in the front office a chance to operate. But give the control over, which I don't think the last ownership did, 
give the controllership or this ownership, they know how to win and they will win. Absolutely. And I look at a guy like London Fletcher, man, would be a hell of a linebacker coach. He would be a hell of a defensive coach. Give these guys an opportunity. These guys have know what it is to wear them rings on their finger. And believe me, that you can't go buy them rings out of the store. I don't care how much money you got. You know what I mean? You have to earn those rings, those Super Bowl rings. And and I just look at why why they don't not use these guys? You look at a guy like Joe Lavender. I remember Joe Lavender with there. Not saying right now Joe might don't want to coach right now. And you know, and kudos to Kenny uh, Ken Houston getting ready to be inducted in the Hall of Fame. You know, uh, I mean, give these guys that's here an opportunity. Clarence Vaughn, come, come on, man. I mean, these guys. You're talking about guys here that can really make a difference because, first of all, you and I know the day we play, you got to have an attitude. You got to want to win. And, you know, my old coach told me in Arizona State, uh, uh, God rest his soul, uh, Frank Cush, he said, you know the difference between a great player and a good player, Miles? I said, yes, sir. I surprised. He said, what? I said, a great player. I said, a good player think he can do it. A great player know he can do it. That's the difference. Hello. That's the mentality. Hello. It's not there anymore. He, I, she said, how do you know that? I said, because I'm one of them players. It's about winning. It's about winning. And you can get all the money you want. And you and I know it's a lot of guys out there got that money, but they give it all for one of those rings. And you got some guys that didn't get all that money, got two and three rings. So I'm telling you, if they think that don't mean something – it does. It's a shame that in the 80s, how strong in 90s the uh, the uh, Washington team was, it just fizzle right now, and it don't make sense. And it, it's just a shame. And I have to. I'm glad I can get someone like you on the show uh, to talk about it. I had people laugh at me. I said, you know, you got two good backs. We go to the offense now. We don't use both backs out there because now you got a double threat. You know that kid, he a pound from Alabama. But you also know your boy remind me of Charlie Taylor when you know Charlie Taylor was a wide receiver at Arizona State. They moved him to running back. So that gives you a double threat. People look. I say everybody, this league now, and I say it, and I don't care who don't like it, it's a copycat league. Everybody want to run the one back offense, the stretch play. That's old now. That's old. Mm-hmm. And That's you know, old. everybody says they, they West Coast offense. Yeah, time. I mean, come on. We passing, we making rules where as the receivers <laughs> get free. You hit so many points there, Doctor. It's just unreal. Why? You, you know, they, individuals such as yourself, y'all should be up in the front office. Y'all should be running that show. You running, you running, you running your own league, and you know how to do it. But see, they go and get somebody that was was. In the the restaurant a few years ago, and they they good friends, so let's bring them back. They go get somebody that's a relative. They go, and I, you know, the other thing that bothers me, Doc, is it's not just the personnel that they have messed with. Ever since we had the last bargaining agreement, see, I've been with this thing so long ago. I worked as a uniform inspector the last twenty eight years, right? So I see these. Ever since they took away so many in that last bargaining agreement where you can only hit so many times in training camp, you can only hit so many times during the year, you can only have to wear pads so many times. This Every team in the league, to me, has got weaker. Their players have gotten worse. You look at I made a mention to you earlier that I only missed one game in 14 years. I wasn't only for Jackie Youngblood did that. I can name a lot of players. We right. played every time because we had to. First and so first and foremost, when we opened this show, we were talking about commitment, 
Mm-hmm. And, we, and, and that's the one thing that we had to have back then because we had kids at home that needed to eat. And my first salary was 17000 a year. It wasn't, it wasn't a million. They, they okay. don't believe that. These guys spend that and tip that in, in meals and stuff, you know, so they, they don't do understand. There you go. And that's how you made the team hitting. That's how you made the yeah. team. Nowadays, these guys don't it, – it's, you know, I – I and I, you know, I, I tell people, you know, oh, you look young, doc, for your age, you still there, uh, man. You pocket plus. I said, let me tell you something. I cannot play now. And they said, what do you mean? But the way the rules are now, you know, we wouldn't give no tight end, no free release. Are you crazy? He's wide open right <laughs> off the line. And you look at all the games. They can really throw the ball to the tight end every play. Am I right or wrong? It's a free release. You know, you whip his behind for five yards before you can let him go. Remember exactly. how the rules was? But now, exactly. man, they protect the receivers so much, and most of the receivers dropping the balls and looking at their hand. They lining up all sides. I mean, it's it just that the game has really, really didn't change for the, for the worse. And, and I say that because you look at how the game was played, you know, man, you had the, man, defense won, you know, won championship. Offense get the publicity, but defense win the games. And now you, you don't, don't see that no more. You know what? And you hit it, and and you are young. So I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you to stop talking about you. You're not old. Number two, you hit it right on the head, and you started like you like you indicated. You got linebackers out there that was great on this team, and you got a position on the team linebackers that's having a problem. Why don't you put the two together? There you go. <laughs> you got Monty Coleman who was so good. That he caught punts for us. Mm-hmm. He did everything. One of my top passers. One of but he he we called him Superman because he could do everything. Mm-hmm. You got to have people. You had Otis Wansley on there. Right. When you talk That's about my man, you Otis, talk about yeah. special teams. You mm-hmm. talk about running over people. Uh, you, you have Pete Cronin. See, I can mm-hmm. name. Oh, I'm still, I can name him with you. You know what these people. Work. But I didn't know this, Doc, and I know this is all script, man, but I didn't. Uh, you went to Arizona State, huh? You know I went to Wyoming. Oh, absolutely. I uh, know the uh, so You were the whack boy back in the uh, day. Hey, man, it was the, it was the Pac-8 then. And, buddy, uh, USC was the, was the team because, you know, they had Anthony Davis there and all that, and they always uh, talk about that. Coach, you always ask me, say, why are you going that way, uh, you know, Miles, you know, I said, because that's where he's going to the end zone. I'm not going behind the line chasing him, and he's going for the end zone. You know, SC line was so big, and I saw Munoz this year uh, in uh, uh, Arizona at the uh, the pro uh, the uh, Hall of Famers uh, lunch, and he said, Miles, you dirty ball player. <laughs> and I laughed at him. I took a picture with him because he always bragged. He said, that's what we get ready to score. I said, yeah, you're going to score, but I'm going to hit you right on your knee. He said, you dirty mother. He got a fish. <laughs> Because, you know, I'm not going to really do that because, you know, Munoz had bad knees. But I have to pitch. I have to show you these guys, man. These guys said, boy, I don't know what you're drinking. You look awful young, man, you know. But, you know, I played with ball players, man, and guys that, you know, that really, really cared and wanted to win. I had the opportunity, you know, uh, um, your boy was at a uh, – over at uh, uh, California, you know, um, Chuck Muncie. I thought he was a grown man when I saw him. They said, they got this guy, Chuck Muncie. I said, man, I don't care who they got. I said, I'm going to tear him up, man. You know, Chuck Muncie was 6'4 or something, you know, and about 240 or something. And I remember I hit him, 
and 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 I say help, and everybody, you know, because I hit him, you know, thighs would look like like a, a true chunks, and I hit him, and I could hit, and I hit him, and I say help. So they was laughing at the side, and I, they said, yeah, you talk all that stuff now. I said, man, this guy can't. This guy's a running back, you know, because you know Chuck was big and could run. So you know, man, everybody say, man, you talk all that. You from DC talking? Because you know, I'm like this. Um, uh, I always say I put my stuff on like them. You know, they got to prove to me exactly. I don't care about nothing. You know, you know. Of course, you know Doc was at UCLA. You know, you couldn't tell him nothing. You know, Doc oh, Walker, yeah. right? Yeah, talking that stuff. Yeah, yeah. man, they be talking. <laughs> but Doc could catch it, man. But you know, it, it's just a, a shame that. I didn't do the things I would like to do because I told my rotator cup, that's it. You know what I mean? Dude, you can forget that. Them doctors always talking about, we going to do this and that. And after surgery, I said, well, you know, it was worse than we thought. You know what I mean? So, hey, man, I have an opportunity. I knew you guys. I had the opportunity to meet you guys. And everybody is very, very – only one I had problem with is them little young guys like Fred Smoopy talking to him. Man, it ain't no New England, man. It's the Redskins. But – I just think, man, somebody like you, and I know you got a lot of uh, other five uh, uh, pokers in the fire. Somebody like you would be great in the office, man, the front office of the of the Washington team, and they need to take advantage of the stuff that they have here. I know Mark Mayhew, when he was up Detroit, he didn't get all the help he could have gotten, but then again, you know, you generally get the help from the team, well, you should, let me take that back, that you played for. You know, you, you bought championships here. Come on. They owe you that much as opposed to getting somebody I don't know I didn't make a big deal out of course I was talking you know I ain't no refrigerator and then when they hired the kid from California the defensive back coach he only coached high school ball come on now mm-hmm, you tell me mm-hmm. all these guys in the NFL you can't and Washington has some pretty good defensive backs and stuff you tell me these guys don't get an opportunity to even interview for it I often said, and I'm very, and I let you uh, go ahead and say that. I often say mm-hmm. the Rooney Rule was just a farce to me. You could just interview, not saying give the guy the job. I let you go ahead and take it from there. Well, you know, you 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 write about the Rooney thing, but if we did not have that, we wouldn't have anything. So it's better than nothing, right? And then you go back to Martin Mayhew, and you think about him in Detroit. And, and his coach, uh, uh, the coach used to be at Baltimore. I can't think of his name. Uh, it started with a C, but he, he had nine or ten wins. And they get rid of them. You know, and that that's what you're talking about when you're talking about you bringing in people that's not really helping. You're bringing in people like Martin Mayhew. He did a, he did a good job in Detroit. When he went to Detroit, they were the drugs of the, the, the industry, you know. <laughs> right. He went there, but it, it, uh, and then he ended up being fired like everybody else. Right. But what we have to do here is think of that culture. Now, you look what has transpired here today, Doc. You and I can sit back here and talk about players for the last 10, 15 years, where if you think about it, this around the league now – a player don't stay with teams over three or four years like we used to. Right. They don't make a home. They don't make a living. Mm-hmm. They don't become an institution or a family. Right. And that's all part of it. What people have to realize, when you're looking at championship, everything comes into play. Your your home life, your your football life, your everyday life, your business. You, you're juggling all these things, and then you're trying to be the best you can be. These young players now, they give them money. 
They let them go out. And this, and I'm not one of those players that say they shouldn't give them money because our job, absolutely, they will find out, which I have found out, in about 20 or 30, 40 years, they'll find out what football really did to yeah. them. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize that you do because you play. Just like you said about your shoulder. Yeah. If you, I can tell you right now, and I've never had this conversation with you, but even time you sleep on that shoulder now, you have to rotisserie sleep. Man. We call that rotisserie yeah. when you got to turn yeah, all turning night. turning this stuff right and hurt. <laughs> You're so right. You're so right. Yes. You know, but, you know, Mr. McGee, it's it been a pleasure to have you on the show. And I'm going to always worry you. You know, you're like an uncle to me. I'm going to always worry you. I'm, come on the show. But I want to say thank you for coming on. And this Saturday morning, and I look forward to see if I can catch you again to come on again. You've been listening to another edition of Inside the MFL. I'm your host, Dr. Richard Miles. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to Inside the MFL, the official sports talk radio show of the Minor Football League, with your hosts, Dr. Richard Miles Sr. and Kelsey Nicole Nelson. For more information, visit MFLisHere.com or the MFL page under programs at DCRadio.gov.